Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Mountain is climbed, yes, because it's there, because otherwise you'd be walking on the plains. But the mountain is climbed because I think the climber wants to hug the mountain. He wants to envelop that mountain within his body. He wants to make love to the mountain. To me, the, 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 my worst nightmare, as many people's are, is falling. Listeners, you're coming to us now around the campfire in beautiful Yosemite National Park. Actually, you're not. You're in a hove. It is winter. We're not doing it outside because the cable wasn't long enough. But we it's are very all... cold. Yeah, it's <laughs> very cold outside. And we are going to be sampling Dr. McCoy's beans recipe for well, the film. Matt's already, Matt's already started. I'm already in now. I'm yeah, like, you are very hungry. Not now, eating all day. Because, of course, you know, if you don't enjoy these brothers, you're not just offending me, but... Generations of McCoys. <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> and this is from the official Star Trek cookbook. It is, man. Well, you can find it. Oh, it is. You haven't just made it as a. No, no, no. There. This was. Like, yeah, because in the film, we mm. get their mm. beans and there's alcohol in it. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the secret. Stick it in a cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> Which. I'm giving away for surprise there. Oh. And the secret ingredient in the film, I believe, is Jack Daniels because they get thanks in the um, credits. No? Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, uh, they do. They say it's Tennessee, uh, Tennessee whiskey. Yeah, um, but they, Jack Daniels get a thanks in the credits, so you kind of assume it is probably Jack Daniels. Yeah, well, I had a smidgen of Jack Daniels to use up, and that's in the beans. But mm. for our drink tonight, which if we gonna have a little sip, it's gonna be Maker's Mark. Well, yeah, we've got a far finer whiskey than uh, Jack Daniels for us. <laughs> Maybe they want to imply that Jack Daniels are still going in the 23rd century or wherever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and we've got a guest with us, haven't we? Exactly. Yes, I'll introduce um, Greg Locke, who's Hello, here to talk to us about Star Trek Five. Say this is quite a, a subject quite close to your heart. It's my favourite Star Trek film. I'll just get that out now for anyone who's ready to slag it off. I'm here to defend it. Yeah, we're unsure where we stand at the moment, right? Yeah, we've kept each other in the dark about where where it's come out. We we have ideas, um, you know, from previous podcasts where it might be, but yeah, particularly with Matt, this is his first viewing, so. First ever Fresh on, yes. Well, I think we can all agree one good thing that came out of the film is Dr. McCoy's uh, special beans mm. here. They are actually they are. really nice. Surprisingly good. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I had little choice but to sample your beans, and now <laughs> I'm glad I did. Yeah, we don't want the podcast to just come sounds of <laughs> eating, so we should actually discuss the film as he finished this. Obviously, this is Spotlight, the show where we talk about Star Trek from a kind of non tracky POV. And it would be very weird if you just come into this and you haven't seen the film. Go and watch the film. Yeah, watch the back. film first. I mean, we like to think this is a kind of Star Trek book club where you watch the film as you go along yeah. with us and then come back and listen to the podcast. The film is like 30 years old almost. Uh, exactly. Yeah, we are very so late before. to the party. I mean, we're going <laughs> to spoil the fuck out of this movie as per usual because, you know, by now you really should have seen it. Uh, it it's... <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure we will agree it is essential viewing. 
Um, and yeah. uh, but we're going to discuss whether we agree on that point today. Um, so what we usually do in this situation is go to Brad first. But before we do that, I think we should talk to our guest a little more about his Star Trek credentials, um, as it were, and perhaps your fast Star Trek memory, Greg. Um, okay, so um, yeah, my name's Greg. Um, in terms of my my Star Trek credentials. Well, I am the uh, the director of a uh, Star Trek fan production, mm. uh, Ambush. Um, still in production, been in production for about three years now. Um, and I've agreed to uh, come on here because, like you say, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, is very close to my heart because that is my first exposure to Star Trek. That was the mm-hmm. very first thing. I think I was probably about five, five six years old. Was it through <laughs> a grandparent's VHS? It was through my, my parents' VHS. Okay. How old were you? About five or six, I reckon. But that, to this day, is my first memory of Star Trek. I'm trying to picture um, what this kind of film would be like for a first timer and a five year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, I notice it's very colourful. This I think, yeah, I think yeah, a lot of lights. Yeah. I've seen lots of people, your your parents, possibly your grandparents' age, doing <laughs> things that you wouldn't expect. <laughs> probably your grandparents' age, age at that point. <laughs> yeah. Retirement looks fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jaunt across space. Yeah. Yeah. Retirement filled with exotic dancers. <laughs> oh, Trying yeah. to find God, that's what I was yeah, yeah. ripped out of Star Wars. Well, did you have a, a religious upbringing, Greg, at all? Um, well, I went to a Church of England school, if that counts. So, did Star Trek Final, uh, Final Frontier like uh, confound your religious beliefs at the time? I think at the time I believed that my visions of if there is a God. That is what God looked like. <laughs> God was an old man in a blue mist. <laughs> right. shot laser, laser <laughs> That was God. Oh, <laughs> so, I think we, what we usually do um, in these situations, Greg, is we turn to Matt as he's the one of us who hasn't really seen any Star Trek before. I'm interested in that. Uh, so I'll call a litmus test of how this is going to be experienced by the non-Trekkies of the audience, people who are new to Star Trek. So and, like, and briefly recapping, you've come off a high before. Yeah, you were yeah, very definitely. happy with that. And we, we, so we've left After a crushing off. low. So, so, oh, yeah. so you enjoyed number four. Enjoyed yeah. four, did yeah. not enjoy Search and no. Spock no. so much. So yeah, heading into this, it was coming off if we go a bit further back, Khan being a genuine classic, and then Spock, for me, was very much a kind of rushed follow-up epilogue, Quantum of Solace type deal, which just did not really work. And then T-shirt. Voyage Home managed to be both a kind of standalone jaunt and the cap-off of this trilogy that they'd started, and it was a really great mix of kind of sci-fi adventure and comedy, and so coming to this, I was uh, quite excited to see, and I hate that I can't really argue against it because I had a great time. Hey! Are we, is that we on the same page? Cheers, everyone. Let's clink the whiskey glasses. So I was thinking in my head, like episode two was kind of like everyone's going to be on the same page for Khan. Spock was our divisive episode. Voyage Home brought people back together, and I wondered whether this would be another divisive one, but seeing how it's generally quite ill-regarded anyway, mm. but we all seem to like it. I think yeah. that's an interesting spin for this episode in itself, mm. that we're all defending it, I guess. Yeah, or, well... I, you know, it's, yeah. In places, yeah. yeah I, in places. Oh, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. There are... And this is it. Greg were to preface his, you know, love of this with a few words, I think. Well, it's a... It, you know, I'll say it's my favourite <clears throat> film, but there are flaws in it. Mm-hmm. You know, Ahura dancing. 
what for fuck <laughs> I cannot think of a justifiable reason <laughs> if you wanted to distract the guys to nick the horses blow something up yeah. do a light show <laughs> it's original it's uh, just what the hell yeah. it's daring um, <laughs> and did you, you, you told me how old was she uh, she was 57 at the time this is Michelle Nichols who like, played Roger uh, Moore's last Hura. Appearances yes, yeah, indeed. Um, but as if you listen to the commentary of this film, as William Shatner says, is as well. Michelle has a great pair of gams, and you know, to be fair, for a fifty-seven-year-old yeah, woman, yeah, she's got a very yeah. nicely defined pair of legs. And you know, in in a way, in its, in its own way, it's sort of progressive of the franchise. Be like, this is an older lady having the sexy car of role but it is completely ridiculous I mean I, I, what I want to see is the conversation that Kirk had with Ahura <laughs> yes. like, listen, okay. listen yeah. we need to get to Paradise City and we yeah. need to distract the guards so we can nick their horses um any thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Here are some big oh, leaves. Didn't you do, you once did a, a dance class. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Didn't you used to be an exotic dancer oh, before what? you oh, were a star? On the Enterprise, beforehand, we're in orbit. And they're like, okay, we're going on this risky away mission. We've got guns. Could you wear matching underwear? Just in case. Yeah. Just in case. And also, in this desert, we're going to find some palm leaves. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, stand on that sand dune yeah, like a mile away. We're even going to be able to amplify your voice <laughs> and put a nice, you know, mix on it, yeah. get all the levels right, because that's how clever we are. <laughs> it's just well, there's we no, There's it. no setup no. for it at all, no. is there? There's no kind of like... Even even just one little bit where we need distraction, Uhura goes, well, guys, I have an idea. Kind of thing. Yeah, because we, we, we yeah. all know from previous instalments of Spotlight that Michelle Nichols is desperate to get as much of her flesh on display as possible. Um, yeah, she was very... Unsuccessfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was very annoyed about being covered up in any way at all uh, in previous Star Trek films. With it. So she was probably raring to go mm. with it. So it would make sense but, if it was, was her plan. Yeah, her moment was her soul glow hairdo in Star Trek 3. Like, um, <laughs> that was about as like, glamorous as it got up to this point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, it was funny. I've actually been reading... Um, Captain's Log William Shatner's personal account of the making of Star Trek V The Final Frontier testimony transit from the court as told by Elizabeth Shatner uh, one of his uh, daughters and um, in here he actually talks about that scene and apparently he and Half Bennett uh, were talking about a way they need. they knew they needed something to distract um, the bad guys so they could attack and they were trying to rack their brains come up with an idea and they were getting a bit drunk apparently uh, at some point one of them just went oh well, why don't we have the a, best a, a, really a, <laughs> why don't we just have Uhura doing a naked dance and they kind of fell about laughing about it and uh, there was another guy with them and he was kind of like very funny guys but you know what we really going to do and Shatner and Bennett turned around and went, no, no, that that's what we're really going to do. That's the idea. That's what we're going to do. And yeah, and they did it. They stuck to their vision. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, Shatner's grand vision. You've seen it. Well, you can't uh, see yeah. it. But... <laughs> We're okay. getting a little ahead of ourselves. We are getting a little ahead of ourselves. It's just one part of it. To rewind. And talk <laughs> about perhaps, you know, some of the uh, better aspects of them. Because, yeah, as I say, I liked it uh, a lot. And, you know, 
what's been quite interesting I think for you and me Paul with watching these films again is I think with quite a lot of them we haven't seen them in quite a long time although we have seen them uh, I hadn't seen Final Frontier since sometime in the 90s it would have been uh, on TV and I remembered thinking it was okay uh, not as kind of you know maligned as it kind of has been in, in public opinion perhaps but uh, not thinking it was you know great would you but, have seen it in order at that point when you uh, no no completely out of order um, yeah. but seeing it again now uh, yeah I've really really liked it a lot as a child seeing this and I can't remember my first viewing I think my BBC one like New Year's Day Christmas mm. Day it was around about that time and you know I think it got two star in the paper but I think mm. just because it's Star Trek I was watching it and you know I enjoyed it quite a lot I think as a kid just because it's the crew and I, I'd watched a few of the films by that point I don't think it was it was maybe the third or fourth one I'd seen and it took me to see in a magazine like uh, like I saw the cover and then in the, in the bottom corner of it was a thing that said what went wrong with Star Trek 5 uh, and it's like a, it's basically a feature of it it was like it was going to expose all the kind of problems that it had and um, that was my first as a kid just like oh was there something wrong with it um, <laughs> and it's just that was funny how the, the mind of a child works yeah it's like well, it's very you're true not, you don't have the great barometer for quality uh, yeah <laughs> the critical faculties I mean let's remember when I first saw Batman and Robin at the cinema uh, I was actually <laughs> writing um, reviews for my local paper at the time as a kind of like junior reporter <laughs> uh, Tintin <laughs> film critic um, and yeah 10 out of 10 for Batman well, and Robin right, 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 yeah. Batman and Robin I don't know how old you were then but you know that film was made to make toys yeah. and a kid seeing yeah. that film it works great as yeah. a toy commercial as a toy Slightly commercial yeah. and if you look at we're going off topic completely but if you look at the golden <laughs> age of Batman that is the perfect yeah. representation of that era yeah. of Batman and Completely. I think time I mean, well, for us, it's time a has film, been, but... it's just a film, but time has been kind to it in terms of rewatchability. Yeah. Yes, like we're talking about, like Die Another Day is the Moonraker of, for this era. Yeah, um, it's yeah. watchable in that it's a, what the fuck is going on. Yeah, yeah, completely. But with Final Frontier, um, genuinely, a case of I came away on this screening going, great Star Trek movie. I, in the sense that not even, you know. Obviously, there are the moments that we kind of talked about just there um, with her, and I think there are a few others. But in general, I thought, no, this is a this is a great little movie. What, it, what's the problem? I kind of see it as a uh, uh, Matt mentioned earlier with Star Trek Four being the conclusion to that kind of little trilogy that they did of two, three, and four. Star Trek Five is kind of like a you know a fresh start. Let's start on mm. you know the last film ended with them going off into the galaxy with their new Enterprise. Mm. And it's just, yeah, we're ready yeah. to go forward. Yeah, this is it's a new, almost, a new it's adventure. It's almost like yeah. a, this is what we got to in our holiday, seeing as it's yeah. literally bookended by them having shore leave. So it's just like, yeah. here's our little wacky yeah. adventure uh, while we take some time off. I mean, let's rewind to the beginning of the movie. Uh, the opening is like something out of Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's what he's trying to do, isn't it? Yeah, well, so, certainly, apparently... It's a Shatner's moment. It's like um, Mad Max according to... Captain Slot. <laughs> um, we'll be referring to you. Up. Originally, half half Bennett kind of took the film away from Shatner in the editing process. You mean this was hard? Yeah, they had, bit, like, they had to lean. cut it down. Um, so. Well, yeah, basically this scene, the opening that he cut down to barely anything, and Shatner was really upset and said, "No, no, no, you, you must. It, it's it's meant to be, you know, long tracking shot of him riding in and everything like that," and got him to reinstate it. I'm really glad he did because I think it works really oh, yeah. well. Actually, this feels like 
the truncated version. Like, I mean, I feel like yeah. it doesn't, doesn't, it's not But we'll just think about how it would have yeah, been if I mean, Bennett had got yeah, his way. Half, half cut, yeah, I think it's, a, it's one of the strongest scenes in the film. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. It didn't seem the most visually arresting thing I'd seen hmm. from uh, the Star Trek, and it was it's yeah, like a Western, and coming the, in thinking... It's exactly that scene from, the, from Lawrence Raby, you know, with the, the yes. rifle yes. that yes. he runs for. But the scale of it, you know, and how it's straight yeah. away... And not knowing what to expect from Shatner directing, yeah. to have such a very cinematic opening that is so striking I was like wow yeah because I mean this was Shatner's directorial debut um, you know his first film so I think it is quite impressive uh, to have that only thing I would say is that you know it's, it's not great for the um, uninitiated because mm. I think no. the bit where he starts laughing I mean people say oh well what's the deal with that the fact that he's a Vulcan is you know meant to be kind of like he's got no humour or that thing you'd have to know right. that about Vulcans prior to yeah, I got a feeling that was a big reveal when he took a single yeah and it doesn't I think for somebody just it wouldn't mean mm. a lot to somebody yeah I think yeah because then the big point they make on that and the big cliffhanger is you have a Vulcan who's laughing his head off mm-hmm. and oh, I didn't even yeah I didn't even catch that yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's only, I think only someone who's seen the original series and has seen See episodes what like. of you know, and we're sort of going back to like, um, the episode Plato's stepchildren, where Spock is put under some spell and he laughs, and Doctor McCoy's like, "Good God, man, you can't make him laugh." <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, I, I, then, I didn't really pick up on this. It's true. So to see a Vulcan laughing his head off, you know, mm, we have a, yeah. a Vulcan with emotion. And as a kid, I certainly haven't picked that up. It's from since becoming really into Star Trek. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny because that I didn't pick up on that moment because of the fact that even though I, you know, I've seen the films and I, I know the basics of kind of, you know, Vulcans, no emotional logic, um, watching that, I it just didn't connect to me because I'm not so well-versed in Czech law that it's just an instantaneous thing. I saw him laughing, I just thought, oh, I, I thought this is a bit of a jarring, typical bad guy, mm. Agent Smith laughing in Matrix <laughs> Revolutions, kind of just randomly laughing. <laughs> like, you know, before we go into the credits, but actually that's a really interesting subtext. Well, then it then up pops the Star Trek motion picture theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Jerry Goldsmith returning Goldsmith, to the yes, yeah. Goldsmith's back and, and the strongest parts of this film. And right? something else to point out is when this film came out in 89 Star Trek Next Generation 87 which used the motion picture theme so that was part of a reason for it just well I think it's back in the lexicon maybe not it's just something it was well it was Ronanby's favourite music for the, for the franchise, at that point for the next generation, it's my favourite music, yeah. and um, I think you know having Goldsmith back, you know, it's an opportunity to revisit that. Um, and if, yeah, I think it might have thrown people off actually, thinking, "Oh, it's Nick the Next Generation's theme." And I know if you would have like seen this film and just gone, I've, I've, I've seen that first hand with my wife when yeah. she watched for Final Frontier. The first thing she said was, "Oh, they they've stolen the, the theme from Next Generation." I was like. <laughs> I don't do this often. I'm going to get out the motion picture. <laughs> don't make me do it. There is no comparison. It's going in. It's going in. It's press and play. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's okay. enough. That's good. Is it a clockwork orange experience? <laughs> oh yeah. Is it Goldsmith's uh, first time back since Khan? Yes. No, no, for it's the motion picture. He dumped me. He didn't second. No. Oh, that was Hall. Hall did two. Of course. Yeah. Last one. And Goldsmith did this one. I mean, um, I was listening to a bit of him in concert at the Barbican on YouTube um, last night, and he, he plays this as his opening Trek 5 theme, and then he sort of like has a little talk with the audience, but he did say, you know, any Trekkies in the audience? Big cheer goes up. And he goes, yeah, I'm not one of them. <laughs> and it, he said, but he said, it's just like, you know, I just don't understand the stories. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, but I think if your two films have been one and five, yeah, like, yeah, maybe that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think by the time he does... 
first contact, he's more tricky. I think he's probably on board with it mm. at that point. Uh, but what he does understand he doesn't is emotion. Oh, <laughs> uh, but then we go to Yosemite, um, a map painting. Yeah, and where it's uh, clearly not Shatner doing the bulk of this climbing until the very oh, do last you think, minute. Do you think that's really clear? I was yeah. just like, I was like, who the hell you is the this? Right? Longest time. And then oh, when it went real. into the close-up, I was like, oh, it's oh, it wasn't you. Really. I think you know, it's great to see the side shot where they've obviously built a facade, and you can see him in perspective with how high up he is. Mm. Though I'm not completely convinced by the uh, the, falling the, the fiberglass. No, the oh. fiberglass kind of. Uh, well, and yeah, if you look at the making of feature, you can see it's like a little climbing wall that's come off the back of a tray that was just propped <laughs> up I mean, in the parking lot of Paramount. It's really, you know, Baldwin's gone a long way. Uh, absolutely. And I, I do think a bit of trivia, um, I read somewhere that Shatner himself, he's mildly agoraphobic and does have a fear of height, so... Um, it wouldn't have been. Basically, was he using this entire film and the budget just to like conquer his fears? Because it's like he had, a, like he had the story credit um, as uh, one of the story credits, and it, the mountain climbing was the beginning. His idea as well. Spoiler alert for the ending Shatner wanted with the Rock Men. Well, that was his yes. second. Like, that, that I can see the, how that would have been a nice bookend. Well, that was actually <laughs> compromise as well because he wanted Angels and Demons first. Too hard to do. Rock Men were his backup. He wanted six, got one, and the one that they did choose didn't work like, and I think we, we go back to Michael Mann's The Keep to see like another example of a man in a big rubber suit not bit, not looking threatening in the slightest they never really managed to master big bulky creatures well the Gorn has always been regarded as you know okay granted it was back in the 60s we let him off but where everyone thinks of yes. tacky big yes. rubber fake yes. monsters from Star Trek yeah. Yeah. The Gorn is the Gorn, yeah. uh, have you seen the footage of some of the early test footage of the Rockman yes yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, he looks like okay. uh, the thing from the 1994 <laughs> Roger Corman Fantastic Four I was going to bring up this actually Liam I think would you agree that the Fantastic Four remake uh, with Michael Schicklitz that's the first time you see a Rockman look any good yeah 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 I mean I, you know the rest of the film not so much but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. it is one of the uh, better elements uh, sorry was this uh, meant to end with Rockman face off yeah, yes, yes. Like, yeah. instead of God yeah, well instead originally God was, God, God, was and to, God was going to summon Rockman I believe can that be somebody's band name God and the Rockman uh, originally Little Devils were, I mean we, we should say really with this film um, you know, the general plot is basically the well, the search for God, essentially. Uh, you know, it's the Enterprise being hijacked uh, by prophet-like figure Sibok, who we talked about earlier, um, and forcing Cybok. the uh, Cybok, uh, forcing the um, Trek crew to, uh, in some forms, by brainwashing, to go in search of God. Well, it was, um, in, it was inspired by the teva- uh, I can't even pronounce the word televangelist movements. Oh, okay. I really like that that Shatner was obsessed yeah. with televangelists. That makes sense as well. Power they had over people and the suggestion. Yeah, and just, exactly. You know, and they see kind of video footage of him, don't they? Yeah, kind of go, yeah. Well, they just saw people that would be like. I see your pain. I can heal your pain. And yeah, do that I, that's thing. exactly right. You know, and it's—I mean—he's almost dressed like a televangelist. He's got the white kind yep. of tunic a lot of the time. And also, I mean, there was a recent Den of Geek article, which is very much in camp from the frontier, and sort of also says a great allegory for um, um, sort of the Middle East, actually, and how you can get really, you know, enigmatic leaders who stay back from the fighting and just make converts of people and to get them to do their bidding as well. And like Cyborg has that power to sort of get together a quick army of like guerrilla fighters who will stop at nothing. You know, he never does anything violent in the film. In fact, he's quite 
charismatic and, uh, mm, he is, and yeah. I think they did a lot of softening of his character though. and I think yes they did Lawrence Luckin Bill's performance I like it I think he's really good really um, strong I, it's just it's interesting it's not what you expect um and yeah, he's and you kind of generally upset for him that it all goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. He's that's one of the really interesting parts because he's essentially like the villain for like the first half. Yeah. But then you kind of and then you think, oh, he's going to try and sway them all onto his evil agenda, and then even his agenda's not that evil. I just, I just oh, love no, this idea no, no. of he's just everything uh, of what you think is the villain kind of being mm, not. Well, and it, the only it turns into a bit Belloc from yeah. Race Lost Ark because mm. he's like to Shatner, you know, you want to know as well. Like uh, you also want to see what's inside. He's he's just a believer like you know and he kind of once he realises his error of his ways at the end you know that he's kind of been a bit of a fool yeah and gives his life to save the others heroic sacrifice yeah Yeah. Um, completely I mean obviously we're kind of fast forwarding but if we go back to the uh, rock climbing (laughs) sequence um, Shatner actually has something to say about it of course he does Uh, (laughs) as he he has he has a lot to say about all of this film I should say like uh but he talks about, and I was kind of surprised about how affecting he thought this sequence was going to be, because obviously here we see Kirk slip and almost fall when he's saved by Spock. Uh, but he says here, uh, you'll see that this is the most surprising of all our material. Kirk slips, starts to fall. You can't believe what you're seeing. It's as surprising as killing Spock. He's going to die. I'm not surprising it. What? Is killing Spock at the end of Wrath of Khan? It's the first five minutes. It's the first and, five minutes of the film. And Spock's he's wearing... Si- yeah, he's, <laughs> he's wearing jet boots next to him. Did anyone actually no. think Kirk was going <laughs> to perish when they I saw mean, this? I think even before, you know, from memory serves, where the edit works, Kirk slips, falls, the next shot is Spock taking a nosedive yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah. the boots. Yeah. I think no, it's quite obvious yeah. within a second what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I really was I, kind of... Like, why did you think this was going to be this tense? Like, you know, it's, it's a comedy it's, sequence. Maybe, maybe this is where Harv Bennett stepped in with his, you know, maybe scissors. Shatner's <laughs> yeah. original edit had five minutes of Shatner falling. <laughs> yeah, he's getting and those spots. Uh, like, oh, maybe I should, maybe. <laughs> I yeah, do something. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the whole film's going to be flashbacks of my entire life <laughs> uh, before I hit the ground. Take the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I would put past him. And you were right in saying that Cybot was meant to be a dark character originally. He was meant to be a relatively dark and violent character who rode a unicorn throughout his interplanetary adventures. Uh, the unicorn was an extension of Zar's violent nature to the point where my father had envisioned this is written by Elizabeth Shatner of course my father had envisioned a battle scene where the unicorn had speared an unfortunate soldier who lay writhing and screaming in agony upon the unicorn's horn while Zar rode on in triumph yeah. Okay. So that's the, 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 this is the kind of dark, violent places that Shatner originally wanted this tale I, to I, go. I'm, I've got to say, hats off to him for like you know he's following four, like and he's just going absolutely crazy with it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, He's not holding back. There's no playing it safe here, Shatner, is there? But not, and you know he does refer to it frequently throughout this book as his grand vision. So you know there there it was. He's an enfant terribly like, of the highest order. Like it just. <laughs> but but to, to his credit, he doesn't just make it the Kirk show. No, and that's what I always thought when it started. Knowing he directed this. Oh well, I but, think he's got to be on a charm offensive. It's like if if say he does Dakai, take on God. I mean, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. if Takai doesn't turn up, 
people would be just like shut the them off like you know obviously you can't hold the actors so I think he probably like appealed to a lot of egos amongst the, t- the team played them to sort along so he could play along to his tune I think and they did say it wasn't too bad being directed by him they were no, yeah. dreading it mm. like Takai was dreading it because he was just professional and uh, yeah the rest of it well what I would say about when you say uh, he's you know allows other people to kind of have their limelight not through lack of trying in terms of making it all about him because in his original script um, apparently he made it very much so everyone was brainwashed successfully by Cyborg and it was Kirk fighting alone while everyone else was brainwashed and only Kirk was strong enough to resist I think it was DeForest Kelly who was like actually no yeah both him both DeForest and Nimoy had something to say about this and said we don't believe that we would betray Kirk at this point we're too far gone you know and they they refused to basically let him have it that way and fought (laughs) against it so that they all three of them kind of resist rather than it literally Shatner very much wanted it to be Kirk mm. fighting and alone. I think that, that's good because I think that is one of the film's strengths. Yeah. Yes. Trio. I agree completely. Oh, absolutely. I think this mm. is the, the the best we see them like as a group, as that triumvirate of like yeah. Kirk, yes. yeah. and Bones. I thought we'd seen Ranker. bits of it in the others, but in Flashes. terms of those core three, this is the best. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, the whole film could be that campfire scene. Yeah. But, what we've alluded to, yeah, with the campfire scene, I think it was because we hold it such a high esteem word to kind of recreate it here today. Um, because it is a beautiful friendship and uh, and to see them sort of banter around but particularly I love this, uh, McCoy's line about you know I preferred him before he died um, <laughs> it's brilliant like, yes, only in Star Trek very funny get, get away with that very funny I mean I, I wrote notes for this uh, film and this podcast obviously and throughout I keep referring to the trio the trinity uh, keep coming back to it is all about those three characters Turbo shark scene uh, oh fantastic and that set's great as well yeah this is what I'm talking about like the lighting on the I love that we get to see the bowels of the Enterprise A there's lots of bits of the, of the ship we don't, we've never seen before and the, the lighting schemes are quite different throughout it um, yeah uh, although so we do get to see it in a very cheap sense we get to see the Enterprise D set we do redress to, uh, yeah. to save money yeah, yeah I know it's, it's, but it's, it's not redressed enough for my, my eyes um, but you really get a sense of the history of these guys especially in that campfire scene yes and like the loneliness of long term space travel and it's really quite affecting with Kirk saying I you know I'll, I'll die alone basically and then how that becomes how that you know arcs off towards the end when uh, it gets paid off but yeah, they're, they're yeah. being really honest, I think, in that stuff, and it's it's that kind of downtime between jaunts and adventures where they can kind of let the shields down. Well, what I like is, despite you have that moment where McCoy makes that g- genuinely gallows humour to uh, Spock um, about how you know referencing his death and such like that. Later on, when McCoy actually defends Spock against mm. Kirk, oh, you see yeah. that he he clearly he, he loves that. him really. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I thought that was a bit like you know he couldn't kill you unless he kill his own you know father. Yeah, you? it's it's lovely, and um, yeah, I just think time and time again, uh, I just think all their dialogue is really well written. It's really funny. I mean, when you're casting it, it's kind of like Dad's Army in space or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when you come back to because it really plays off their age at this point. You know. Kirk having to go I've got to have a sit down like it's like my knees <laughs> like, uh, and you which know, keep... answered for Lon's um, that was I think our first appearance of a toilet in Star Trek oh is he sitting on a box it's a toilet yeah 
Because apparently, I've got to have a shit. <laughs> because lots of references were made. It's like, where do these characters go for a shit? Right, we must I, I, show it so, now. <laughs> so when he when he, when Kirk says, "Yeah, I gotta sit down," yeah. so he whacks a button on, and if you read the text, it is a, a toilet that says something like, "Do not operate when in space, dock." And it's uh, right. that is a tra- I did not. That is a trick toilet. That I, know, at all. I had that in my notes. I just I say, why is that? Why is that writing there? And that's the toilet. Okay, if they made this film fifty years earlier, it would have been banned for showing a toilet. Okay, so I think um, yeah, one of my big bugbears this film. Why it's not? Oh, no. I don't know. I think it's it's just oh. these special effects. Well, yes, ILM were busy. <laughs> on other films not, not good enough like, uh, yes yeah. I, I think, think you think you agree about this don't you Greg I, yeah I can I can see you know you watch Khan Search for Spark Voyage Home and the effects you know the, now, watch them now they're dated but the model work I, I the, the miniature work ILM at their finest and I always feel that ILM don't get enough credit for you know it's all about the Star Wars well actually just look at some of the stuff they yes, were doing on the track mm. And it was a shame, but you know they were too busy on Last Crusade and Ghostbusters Two. So who was doing the effects on this? I or? don't know who it was. Just um, wasn't ILM. People who are not working anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> David Ferran. Uh, David Ferran was, I think, uh, an associate. Sorry, David. Basically, his first like um, track filmed on both coasts because they outsourced it to New York or something like that. But anyway, he basically got the job they, they put it out and said people could send us their tests like we want oh, this right, shot right. done and he came back with the best god effect and they go oh great that's a really good god effect you can do everything no. uh, and that doesn't actually that extend into model shots of the Enterprise A like you know and it's just stuff that was out of his comfort zone and I think it really shows that it's there's no yeah. speed to any of the shots yeah. they're very static I mean uh, that shot where you would really want the speed is when they're making their escape from Nimbus 3 yeah. and the Klingon Bird of Prey fires for Torpedo yeah. and it's, it's just like <laughs> nothing because yeah. that's going to be them like hitting warp isn't it so yes. should have been, I was expecting it to go <laughs> when then yeah. miss and then have, no. you, have you heard of a project called Beyond the Barrier no oh is this like a Star Trek revisited uh, yeah. so basically um, you can look this up and fair play to these people so there's a bunch of people who are attempting to edit their own version of the Final Frontier right with better effects hmm. uh, and I saw some on, the, on YouTube actually yeah, night, yeah look on YouTube look on Facebook I'm pretty, pretty sure it's called they rename it Beyond the, uh, Beyond the Barrier and they've got a load of their um, they've got sequences from Star Trek V re-edited with their own visual effects mm. and it's, it's good this whole film feels so compromised by the effects and you know, the, the amount of effect shots I mean the whole the, the Klingon actually ship shooting at the Enterprise mm. is shown as an interior shot with some sparks in the transwater room there's no external effect shot and it just feels we've got the compromised ending as well it yeah. just which Shatner like, did try he lobbied Paramount I forget when it was but yeah, he did try to do a, a re-release yeah. of the film yeah well it was around about the time of the first DVD release or the second DVD release so potentially we're going to get to see Shatner's version and it it never came to pass. They just wouldn't part of the money for it, even though they paid for Robert Wise's direct position. Nicholas Meyer come back and recut Rafa Khan for the first mm-hmm. time, and you know it just feels like such a. I don't know why they're so like obstinate about this with mm-hmm. Shannon because I think it would sell. I mean, this is always going to be a seller. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, and at the end of the day, the menus on the DVD were better special effects than in the yep. film. <laughs> the film definitely plays on the fact that the cast are all getting older. And maybe they're trying to say Scotty's going a bit senile <laughs> because towards How the there's a really oddly slapstick moment where Scotty knocks himself out, saying "No, the ship like back his head," yeah. then proceeds to knock himself out <laughs> on it. But also at the end, they're having a bit p- big party, 
and he kind of pours out some whiskey for like or, or a drink for a Klingon and gives him the whiskey and then just immediately walks off and says hey, I never thought I'd be goes, drinking with a Klingon yeah I never thought I'd be drinking with a Klingon it's like you're not mate you've just given him the drink and fucked off like you're not drinking with him like, I you, know. you <laughs> yeah exactly and I feel sorry for Nichelle who obviously doesn't get a line there as well no you know, no no I mean what kind of send off yeah. would this have been without you know she doesn't get a moment there it's just, yeah Although this is a thing, early on in the film, because we're obviously seeing everyone sort of, as you say, on kind of leave, we've got Kirk, Spock and McCoy down at the campfire. Um, we've got <laughs> Chekhov and Sulu who got lost Get in the lost. woods together, which I, can't, I really wanted to see a spin-off short film with Chekhov and Sulu recreating Pine Barrens from The Sopranos <laughs> with them lost in the woods together yeah. going slowly mad and it's a really funny scene and then uh, we've got Scotty and Uhura who seem to be yeah. having yeah, possibly was... some kind of romance I was that's that's a very one-sided one because I mean yeah. like, Scotty is burning her glasses she's in love with the Enterprise like more than Kirk <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah. there are two moments in this film that hint to that and I was at well, first I was like the first time it's like she is just like, she's brought him dinner just, yeah just yeah. brought him dinner but the second so the time, next time it's like uh, yeah but she's yeah. done the minor so it's like it's like heightened it more it's like moved her on a bit yeah. like. well she's saying about she once thought Scotty was going to take her away or something or yeah I'm sure have I missed were, the yeah, thing? we were supposed to have shore leave together yeah 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 we were supposed to go on holiday that, together that cabin like, in the woods or whatever. yeah so yeah. I'm just, I just, I just that makes it seem like they're actually yeah. in a relationship but Scotty couldn't get away I seemed as a thing of like they just didn't have much for Scotty and her to do in this thing so they're like let's give them a romantic get together that is like not going to be beats. paid off yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. ever I've talked about one ever again yeah I mean is that ever picked no, up again no. in the next film no, no. it's just randomly I mean it, it's really out of character really, yeah definitely I mean they don't really particularly seem well matched I mean they haven't recreated it in the JJ verse have they of uh, getting <laughs> controversial but yeah 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 her and uh, Sky together and maybe you know maybe they should have done well, yeah I don't know but uh, yeah I really like all that stuff in the early days of kind of like you know all the um, them all on shore leave and kind of having time yeah, off it's I, really fun I really don't like the fact the Enterprise is breaking down the whole way through the film um, I think mm. it really grates on me it's like this is the new ship it just feels like really that's true it, it basically it just for me it felt like this is the budget cuts cutting into the screenplay it's like oh well how are we going to fact we don't have enough extras or we'll say it's a skeleton crew yeah because it's meant to be a new ship isn't yes, it well, they've well, got given a new well, one. Oh, oh, no, oh, 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 oh. so this isn't official. This is me really showing how satirizing. <laughs> <laughs> the argument started where in Star Trek 3, the Admiral says to Kirk, the Enterprise is over 30 years old, and they seem more focused on the Excelsior, which is going to be the new ship. So if it was a brand new ship, why on earth is it not an Excelsior? Why is it just the same old constitution, refitted constitution, constitution class starship? People basically, so the fans have created, their, it's not canon, the fans have created their own theory that it's actually... Is a ship that was an old ship, same age as the Enterprise, called the USS Yorktown, and it's been redressed and renamed, rechristened for that. Yeah, that's what that's what we kind of floated in the last episode. Right. Wasn't it? So it's basically a same. It's an old. So it's oh, not yeah, because we were ship. like, it's how did they ship. build a new uh, starship so quickly? They, they, they just said, oh, I'll give them that old ship one. Get, get out of the garage, about, like, get a paint job. Kirk, yeah. Get rid of him. Yeah, yeah. So let's see what we got. And the way it said, it's like this is meant to start like a week after mm. Star Trek 4 isn't it I'll go for the you know the dry run 
and it goes completely wrong. They're like, well, we might as well just go on holiday. And even though there's three years of real time of elapsed, mm. you know. Oh yeah, how long's meant to come between Voyage Home and this? Well, enough of... time for her to get grey in her hair. <laughs> that's that's the only difference yeah. I think is meant to be here. Uh, <laughs> because he does say, but he does say, refreshes the last line of the. Sorry, four. He says, "Let's see what we got." Yeah, that's we what the captain said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we found true. Out, didn't we? And we come. We, we instead of uh, captain's log, we get Scotty log at the beginning of this, which I thought was very amusing. I liked that. I think the ship was put together by monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all kind of get a little go, don't they? Because Chekhov gets a, li- oh, a, a Chekhov little go cap- in the chair, doesn't uh, he? Chekhov is captain. I like yeah. captain. He Chekhov. actually, I love Chekhov as, as a man of action. He is decisive. <laughs> because he is it's like he's bluffing him like, yeah we have a discussion we need to you know, just talk about some like conditions first doesn't he do he, he enters by swinging on the chair yeah the chair swivels and yeah like, I know he's oh like, yeah. yeah it's the emperor moment <laughs> so um, do you think that there was a uh, a balance of power um, battle between Shatner and Honing oh, which, no, which led to sorry, don't, don't you mean the guy who played Chekhov. Oh, yeah, yeah. the gentleman who <laughs> yeah. played Chekhov, who led to the infamous <laughs> press conference of such a Far Frontier, um, which, if you haven't seen, I would recommend. Yeah, search Chekhov's Bad Day, Star Trek Five <laughs> press conference on YouTube, and just watch poor Walter Koenig. Uh, yeah, no, definitely hunt it down because it is a treat. Um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, Chekhov's uh, student captain. Mm. Also, you know when the shuttle's coming back and he's basically saying, "Don't come back. Actually, you need to fuck off. Yeah, uh, we need to deal with the situation." He's telling Scotty, "Like, put the shields up. Recommend you find a safe port before you know until situation is secure." It's like that's really decisive. Warp speed now. Yeah, I really like Chekhov as a captain. Was, yeah, and Chekhov was one of my favourite shields up when I was a kid. Actually, I enjoyed him. Uh, but yeah, I think we need to talk about the subplot of um, the Klingons in this film. The Klingons back yet again I, for fifth film running. I quite liked it because I like the fact that Kirk has become a legend mm. within yeah, the Klingon makes sense. culture. Yeah. And I, part of me just likes the fact that the Klingon doesn't have this complicated plot. Yeah. He his motive is just to be the greatest warrior mm. and he where he t- He's just young and ambitious. Yeah, isn't and the way it? he yeah. thinks he can achieve that is by killing Kirk. Who yeah. is and as we saw in um the previous film it's the Klingons hate Kirk yeah, yeah they, they try to put on a child yeah. don't they, they so are. it is a continuation from 4 absolutely I think yeah, and we get to see it it bleeds works. into the next film yeah. this Klingon hatred of Kirk and mm. way. It's, it's, it's like a really sort of yeah. tacked on subplot that actually yes. pays off so it's just kind of checking in mm. and it's just like I wasn't too keen on well, the way it kind it of, well the way it all ties in towards the end no, and but then then I, I can also appreciate that they don't really do much they don't do much. Yeah. I mean, the whole yeah. opening with them shooting space garbage and with the probe that screams when it's shot um, is just ridiculous for me. But then, like, also, you've got this whole um, Cap- Captain Clark who's eventually kind of sort of turned around by a disgraced, overweight, yeah. heavy-drinking person who you don't get to see what he says to yeah. And that's the thing. We talk about, like, things you don't see in the song. Um, what is that? Like, you, yeah. you really want to hear what he says to him because it's. I don't think this guy can be turned around. Mm. He's like intent on doing it. I agree. And it's, it's, it's Cruz intent on it. And it's also, it's not just him being told, him deciding not to pursue Kirk, but it's allowing Spock on the ship. And like, mm. What kind of negotiations have this guy put? Because the guy is yeah. obviously not in great favour in the Pacific Empire because he's been given this terrible job of working yes. in Paradise City. Yes. Um, you know, so how much weight 
is this guy going to carry? Somebody who's like literally renegade Klingon captain who ignores like basically he's not the official rescue mission. So basically, neither the Klingon Empire nor the Romulans send a rescue ship to Nimbus Three. No, only mm-hmm. an, only Enterprise comes. This guy just turns up because he wants to kill Kirk. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of it doesn't really work in that sense. You know, he would not listen to this guy. Is my problem with it. I agree completely. Um, it's one of those things where I do feel with this film, the part where it starts to fall apart a little bit and come down ever so slightly. My estimations is the ending, which I feel kind of everything kind of just gets tied up way too neatly, way too easily. Oh, it's congealed and in some it, kind of horrible... Like, it, it just kind of, like you say, I, I do not believe for a second. That guy, the, the guy talks about it, like you said, he openly admits he's this older kind of, you know, waste guy. Foolish and old man. Not, not only that, but he's, like you say, he's part of this kind of peace thing. I thought the other Klingons, especially a Klingon like that, who's very much, you know, believing kind of the warlike nature of the Klingons, mm. it would be like, oh, shut up, old man. Or even, like, kill him or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, just you keep know, firing on the Enterprise. In so, rebellion. Yeah. But he's just like, I'm sorry. But he really seems yeah. to get ashamed completely. We're like, nothing we've seen in that character. And maybe it's all just bluster and everything like that. I guess that's what we have to believe. But He's kind of like that, that young hotshot going off off his leash when really he's like just a scared yeah, teenager or I, I guess so I guess it's just what you have to buy bravado but thing. yeah the, the thing of Spock being on on deck seems really odd of Randy being the, the, the kind of chair and, and again like, yeah. another swivel chair reveal yes yeah. Yeah, 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 I yeah. think the moment like this film goes off the deep end for me is the moment that Kirk like sends says send on the torpedo it's the last time this film like is going for going in a good direction it comes down, and I feel like they're not far enough away from a photon torpedo explosion. Uh, they're literally behind a rock. I'm sure these things like destroy ships yeah. in space, and like that. that then, from that point onwards, it just feels a compromise, wrapping up, rewriting, reshooting. Um, yeah, it just it from there, even into the scenes like up to the campfire, just doesn't work for me. Well, the Klingons are just there just to help take out the godlike figure aren't they basically because yeah. they fire on that that seems because you say it's tapped on and it is it seems like it's tapped on there for them to be there at the end yeah, it was to like, be able to take out them and then you've got I to find out Neil why Rodis Rodis Jamaro or something like that who became as like the production designer yes you're right and then he was like, uh, was like you're really good at that you've promoted costume designer Shatner loves Nilos. Nilos is a lot. Yeah, Wax is lyrical about him <laughs> lots in Captain's Log, which yeah. you can buy but he came from the- all good uh, booksellers online for the costly sum of one penny, so I would recommend it. Can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Too much for my money. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, but back to earlier in the film before we get on to uh, the ending. The Battle at Paradise. Uh, I really, really like. There's much more action than you expect in a trap movie. Usually, it's quite frenzy. And funnily enough, um, I think it's terrible. Great. Well, I, I, I really <laughs> like it, and I think it's like something out of like Total Recall or well, something. I like did say the nerve th- pinch on the horse. Yeah. yeah okay. Totally Total Recall. Cool. Sulu does a commando roll. It's funny. Off I the did, horse. I did the Total Recall thing. It's like, but this actually beat Total Recall to the three boobies. Yeah. By well, years, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, then, but yeah. like, Liam, you're a big cat fan. How many boobies is a cat meant to have? Female <laughs> cat. But, but the real pool table, ingenious. Yeah, the, the pool pool table was hilarious. But then Kirk basically 
Just, like what should have been the classic western of like I'm going to throw somebody through a table smash then face down drowned in a she pool. instantly drowns but yeah, just like water is that the whole point of yeah she just drowns instantly <laughs> trivia which I've uh, only just found out apparently the vocals of that cat is a remixed sample of James Brown yeah. Oh, I've also got James Brown was uh, the sound of the um, laser cannon in the Venice Day backfiring. <laughs> that guy gets around. It's just how many times can you refit? Yeah, you could you could definitely pick it up. I uh, well, I really like the scene. Why didn't you like it, Wells? Because uh, there's not one but two, oh, maybe even three moments where Shatner basically just grapples really badly with a guy walking somewhere, and they have like a little kind of roller, but it's standing up like tussle and then he throws them off and that's like that's enough to stop them does it twice in quick succession isn't great Shatner yeah. does have that very very clunky karate chop yeah kind of. yeah it does feel like odd job on back of short yeah. problem. when he's not <laughs> murdering cat strippers he's pretty ineffective <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also interestingly enough is the um, back for costume the uniform they wear that grey kind of jumpsuit mm. fit that was supposed to be um, or they are regarded as Starfleet Marines Mm. Which is uh, I like so that's their first appearance and I think and he only, to, I think yeah I think he really wanted to kind of like redo the costume actually for this one but the budget and extent of redoing the main one so they did get at least something with these away uh, team costumes which is good um, there was one deleted scene here though which isn't on the DVD which I really wish they put in and now it's where you do see it when the when the um, Gatling gun is shooting the Starfleet commandos one of them gets around in the leg and falls over. Um, McCoy runs up to him and uses a device to suck the bullet out and then he just says to him now don't walk on that for five minutes <laughs> <laughs> just sit here in the war zone yeah. <laughs> it's like but oh well but just like I love it it's just a broken it's yeah, the get shot again but, <laughs> but um, yeah no I mean like I said I, I, I really uh, really enjoyed it I actually think it's really well put together but funnily enough you mentioned about the costumes um, Shatner actually wanted to change all the Star Trek costumes completely for this film did he now uh, I mean why am I surprised yeah but it didn't, face it didn't have, they didn't basically didn't have the budget a lot of the things I mean reading Captain's Log can we get a um, building girdle uh, yeah <laughs> a lot of the things come back again and again and again to uh, didn't have the budget they were really threatening to go over budget the whole time and you know I mean to be fair on him it's gone the budget was 30 million if you think about the fact that it's 1989 in 1991 we had T2 Terminator 2 um, and that was 100 million I believe the budget uh, I believe it was 100 million it was certainly the most expensive film made at the time and if we think about that it's definitely like three times plus the budget you know you think actually it's not it's not an insanely high budget 30 million like no, even no, at the time I think you know Star Trek um, and there's a commentary for generations where the writers uh, Brown and Braga Ronald D. Moore talk about how you know it was their experience of writing for the big screen mm. and um, how they'd go to story meetings and they'd be you know budgeting effect shots and like how they'd have to compromise and cut shots like it was it was just for like all their kind of scope for the film was always being whittled down and I think Star Trek was only ever kind of grade A kind of budget from motion picture up into Abrams there's like no none of them were really given the kind mm. of mm. royal chest from no. out. they were always working within a quite constricting um, budget but I think Nimoy does a lot more with his money than Shatner is able to do with this it, everything conspired against him I feel like it is quite sad for mm. him actually you know that he um, things conspired against him. yeah there's a team to strike I think yeah they blew up one of the chucks yeah 
um, one that won the chats on the on location. They blew one them up. Like Junior, yeah, there was a big uh, Teamsters kind of union strike um, at the time. What they did in protest? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a writer strike as well. I was about to say, uh, who has a writer strike? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think there was a lot of stuff conspiring against him. And let's um, think about the competition for this well, film. Well, Batman. Yeah, Lethal Weapon Two, Back to the Future Two, yeah, Last Crusade, another part the, five, well, Last Crusade. Not only competition, but also stole their original cyborg, which was Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah, and I do believe Paramount even ended up pairing Final Frontier with the Last Crusade when it came to cinema screenings to try and get more numbers. <laughs> what do you What do you mean pairing it though? They, they sold it as a double feature. Basically, so it really would, would pale by comparison. I love yeah. the Last Crusade so much. Yeah. So uh, you, would, you would pay a ticket to see both the Last Crusade and Ooh, Final Frontier. Grindhouse stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 I can see what the more Grindhouse that's that's yeah. <laughs> like See the through. film that Sean Connery made, and then the one he really that he turned down <laughs> to make this other film. Uh, uh, License to Kill. James Bond was also out. Oh, uh, yeah. And License to Kill, another victim of this. Like uh, yeah, it also suffered as we know. Destroyed the. Franchise, yeah. Too, so. Even though I love License to yeah, Kill, yeah, even as like the best Dalton, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm probably in the top five Bond films. Yeah, I, I, I adore I, it. I used to love it as a kid. We could go into a whole film about James Bond, but um, yeah, yeah I live for Living Daylights for me. That's uh, we don't want to encroach on James Bonding territory, but also Ghostbusters two as well. I see. Yeah, um, who ILM also mm. worked on. As well as Last Crusade. Thanks are great in Ghostbusters 2. So, Star Trek Final Frontier suffered. Dear, but I mean, you do feel a bit sorry for Shatner because whereas Leonard Nimoy, um, you know, he got the same deal as Shatner um, in this because obviously this kind of goes way back. At a certain point, Shatner and. Nimoy's lawyers mm. kind of hammered out this deal where Shatner and Nimoy would get all the same kind of deals going forward in Star Trek. I mean, he actually says here in Captain's Log, uh, now, somewhere along the line, Leonard's lawyers and my lawyers had gotten together and drawn up a favoured nation's clause, which meant everything he got, I got, and vice versa. Well, in the beginning, I was commanding more money so that any raises I was getting, Leonard would get also. So I made Leonard a great deal of money on my lawyers by bringing him up to the salary that I was getting. We used to joke about that, how that clause had benefited him so much. I think <laughs> and also, he, uh, he got that, of course, Leonard Norway yeah. got direct to film, so Shatner got direct but to film. I think as well, uh, you know, Leonard's direct was debut Search for Spark I mean acting wise he's not in it for until the very no, end no no whereas Shatner he, is very much yeah. in this and Nimoy also took a lot of lessons from Nicholas Meyer on it he consulted before because mm. he wasn't even too sure whether he wanted to direct and I remember he, he um, when I saw Nicholas Meyer at a convention um, Nicholas Meyer said he had lots of talks with Leonard Leonard would come up to him and say oh look what do you think about me directing and he got a lot of guidance from Nicholas Meyer and mm. Shatner didn't have that he so was... Nimoy cheated a bit he was getting a bit well I would say cheated he, he in terms to... of coming out of the gate with the film yeah yeah. he, he, direct, his, his, he directed a film by the time he got into Star Trek 4 where obviously his role was a lot more prominent mm. he, he'd already had a under his belt a yeah. feature under his belt yeah, yeah. yeah. I could have gone a lot like, worse basically I like 
Chapman's performance in this. Um, yeah, so do I. Yeah, I like uh, you know where he t- says, "I need my pain." I think that the pivotal scene of this yeah. film, in fact, it's an eight eight minute dialogue sequence. You know, in the um, I don't know what deck that is. What I don't know if you could tell me. What the observation. The observation deck. Well, with the. <laughs> This is getting really, but we don't I, we don't know where it, it, from the way the um, when you see the ship go through the barrier, it's implied that it's on the front of the it's ship, like ten forward or something. But, yeah, yeah, but you have these massive windows that they're looking through. But when you see the uh, shots of the exterior of the ship, where are those windows? Yeah, there's not anything there. To so to. it's a great set. Mm. Uh, like yeah, it's a brilliant it's a set. set. They make good use of it. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's quite boring. again. I think this this comes from them just reusing footage from previous films reusing the models again budget constraints maybe yes. if they had the budget to do a new you know an actually slightly different Enterprise A as it's called maybe we would have one of those windows yeah. at the front of the ship yeah literally only themselves are different aren't they they're just slightly the, the, yeah. the connecting bit is being changed um, otherwise it's exactly the same model um, mm. redressed with the uh, with the new A uh, but yeah eight minutes where you have you know McCoy's trying to be like converted and that seems quite very that well is directed I think very that good. is yeah mm. that is for me yeah I really love all that stuff and, and Kurt like you say coming around and saying I don't want to lose my pain. Like it feels, pain. it feels so relevant. Like you know, the whole lose your pain, lose who you are thing. Race question: What is yeah. Kirk's pain? Because even yeah. now with the new Westworld series, yeah. you've been seeing it, but that's all about like to become for the robots, and that becomes sentient. You need memory because you need to learn from your mistakes and your pain. If you don't have that, then how can you change? But what I love about that scene as well is from looking at it from Spock's point of view and from McCoy's point of view. I mean, it really adds. I feel that adds depth to their characters mm. I mean we get McCoy in that scene it's like yeah. the, the McCoy the grumpy old yeah. man's origin story. it's like he's finally yeah. being and, and then oh, yeah. my God. I, Spock's I constant sense of rejection from you know rejection I, get, from I forgot father. what that scene was again it affects me every time I see it with McCoy mm. and his father like it was brilliantly played by the forest and um, yeah, and and well, played by Lawrence Lebeknoff. Uh, <laughs> but, but there was for Spock, there was an extension to his flashback, um, and I will play the dialogue from it. And it is very wisely excised. You might agree. <laughs> I resolved this pain long ago. Spock, Spock, I must go now. Cyber, wait! I can't. They've banished me. Take me with you. No, you've chosen the Vulcan way. I want to go with you. It's not possible. I'm a heretic. I'm an enemy of the people. It would be dangerous for you. But where will you go? Where I can be free. Where I can prove I'm right. I will find Shakari. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, that, is that a flashback to Spock? Yeah, that is basically telling in the not same scene. And what Spock, Leonard Nimoy reenacts it at his age then? Yeah, so basically you're as if he's a child. Putting on a child's yeah. voice, except not very well. Like, Spock, leave me now! <laughs> and then, yeah, putting a lower voice, and then Lawrence Lubicknell playing his younger version himself, but at the same tech voice. <laughs> he's um, like, I'm not doing that shit. Yeah, I'm not going to try that, like Leonard. You, know, you can go right ahead. Um, I'm an actor. Was that from a shot version of that scene? Because it yeah, sounds like it's it from is. a radio play. No, no, that sounds very. No, so yeah, it sounds like a car script read for it. Yeah, so that, well, yeah, perhaps why it's excised as well. <laughs> but it's a lead scene on the on the DVD. And Blue, oh um, my! Which, uh, it's it's just amusing because how 
I mean, it just it didn't. I think the idea is there to kind of show where Cyborg came from, and the fact that they actually had mm. some connection at some point. Mm, mm. Well, this is the other thing as well, because I mean, we had the complete run of the original series, we'd had four films, and this is the first time we're hearing about mm. Spock having a half brother. So. Yes. Yeah, and even in um, and it also kind of makes the director's edition of like motion picture non-canonical because. In that version, he says, "You know, I weep for Vija as if I would if I had a brother. Mm. If I had a brother." So, it's, but he doesn't have a brother. It's, it's he has a, a half brother. brother. It's close. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a strange mix between kind of soap opera, like I have a half brother. Well, they, they, well, they do yeah. kind of really that genuine. into the film because he, he yeah. says, "What well, in some ways I do not have a brother. I have a half brother." Oh, yeah. it, I think it's appropriately paid off with Kirk's. I gotta sit down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that reaction's amazing. It's like, yeah, it's like that's the uh, audience reaction. Like uh, McCoy is just like Sparky off for the surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. He never ceases to amaze me. Like yeah. Yeah, but I'm worth myself. Yeah. Well, it was to be fair, all very backwardly engineered. I mean, uh, basically, if you read about the uh, pre-production of the film, it was basically finding a reason why, a legitimate reason why Leonard Nimoy would accept that Spock would be in any way turned around by this guy yeah. going like and, but to be fair I think the final version you know Spock and McCoy never really seemed like they're turned by no, no, no. only McCoy for like a literal second yeah, yeah. Say, they, they yeah. sort of you know they McCoy says to Kirk oh try try letting go of your pain mm. you know it's good but at the end of the day, yeah, they stick with him. When yeah, they, they really do. Him. Yeah, and I think, you know, even... I don't know where that... That is the extent of that delete scene, I think. So I don't know where they would, would have worked because you only see, like, the, the Spock's conflict about, you know, being accepted in the Vulcan way mm. um, only briefly, but it doesn't really change him at all, sway his cause. No, it's just he won't... Ki- he won't... He can't kill Cyborg. Mm. But that's fair enough. I mean, and that's a really good scene where he has the gun on him yeah. and Kirk's like, shoot him! Like yeah, it's really dramatic, yeah. and the well, fact that Spock can't do you think that's out of character for Kirk? No, I don't at all. I think Kirk's really. Kirk I, I mean, a ship. I think Kirk's ruthless, isn't and he? Like I, yeah, I, I, I always felt that um, Kirk thinking on his feet of do to do that crash landing mm-hmm. was also part of. I need mm. to. I want a crash mm. landing. I want commotion. I need to overpower. Yeah, Cyborg. And I, it's, I it's always great. felt that you know because he's clearly making up as he goes along. You know, mm. like, what's emergency plan B? Mm. B is in barricade. Yeah. That whole set piece is really good. And I really like that scene. Yeah. And I think that I think part, part of me thinks that um, yes, it was to get the shuttle in as quickly as possible to escape the Klingons, but Kirk wanted a crash landing so he could give him a chance to get the ship back. Yeah, yeah. And that whole scene is really, really good it as well. Almost works. The it almost uh, works. And, and the brig scene, I, I enjoy that immensely as well. The brig scene yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, I love a moment of McCoy sticking up for Spock is when when they're trying to when he yes. opens up the vent, the ceiling, and Spock's telling Kanye, you know, unwise, you know, don't don't do that. And he electrocutes himself. Like, he could have warned me. <laughs> he did, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh, oh man, he's just again, just the winning aspect of this film. He's that trinity for me. It's so good. And funny that you said grumpy old men earlier. I was like, it's not Dad's Army's face. It's grumpy old men's face, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? That's totally what it is. I mean, even down to kind of the campfire and the kind of costumes they're wearing there. 
um, you know, it just completely wins me over in that regard. I mean, it, all the Doctor Who is so funny. The emergency landing plan B stuff, where um, <laughs> where he's saying about like how long it will take. He's trying to make out that it will take longer than it does. A Spock just chimes in with usually like fifteen point five seconds. I was like, he's like, an eternity. <laughs> it's just it's really funny stuff. I think it's really witty and great character comedy. Mm. Um, between them which drives the film for me mm. the only thing which I, I just something in that scene which I, I, I get I think it's just I think it's bad cinematography just for the sake of trying to make it look dramatic is that shot where just before I was about to do it you see the bird of prey decloaks and her is like oh, bird of prey bear it one point two and the camera sort of just pans to each character is like now your line your line <laughs> right. now we're going to move to your line yeah. and then it ends on Sulu pressing the button Behind him, yeah. which <laughs> fires for thrusters of the shuttle. Yeah, it's, it's why is that I, behind I did, him? I did have like you know, there but was, is it just for the sake of having a dramatic shot? It is because I think this is the thing. With um, a lot, I actually put it in here. Bad camera work. There's a wobbly crane shot when the then the shuttle first comes into the. Mm. Uh, uh, I think in case it comes down to time, it just feels like you know he had the shot, but he only got one shot at it. Really, everything feels like a first go at it. You know, um, and and so I think like some of the some of the cameras are really nicely thought out. I like the one um, that goes beautifully with Jerry Gossett's music as they go. We're on the planet. They're walking around the big spire, and you you kind of see uh, everybody's enraptured by what's on the view mm. screen, and you don't see at the back of mm. the thing that the the Klingon yeah. ship is actually bearing down oh, on them. Cool. And that that with the music is a beautiful shot, and I think it's nice that they have to hold that for whatever it'll twelve be seconds. In, it'll be interesting to know. I don't know if there's a way to find out. Is it'll be interesting to find out the order that the film was shot in yeah because mm. part of me thinks that they started maybe the first scene was probably the first scene in the film where I think Yosemite, camera work. I think uh, yes Yosemite stuff and maybe was first, they just yeah. slowly because it was I think there were I've heard rumours that you know the production wasn't quite going as well yes, on yeah, channels yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of pressure yeah. and maybe it strikes me as it got to a point where they were just rushing to get mm. the film finished Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if they were a bit behind is, schedule as a result of um, I believe Yosemite was first and then they actually moved on to kind of the rock many sequence but they kept coming back to that throughout yeah, production was, that's right, because it was just shot. not yeah. working and not just working from my experience of doing films when you end up sort of chasing light and you're running behind schedule mm. you started off doing taking your time on these shots yeah. and then, then you just like we need to get something on camera it's gone were we all satisfied with the revelation of God of what that actually was I, in the end? My favourite part of this film. Yeah. Okay. I, so much so, I actually did a um, yeah. a tribute to it. That you made know, me laugh so together. much. Back, back, in, back in 2003, we did a film together. Yes, we did. Uh, yeah. And I. This was off. a film that uh, you directed, a uh, short film. When we um, were we 17, yeah. 16, 17. Yeah, something like that. And uh, I don't know what context I managed to pull it off, but there was a scene where I. Turn no, so character turns to me, and it, I do get to say the line, "What's wrong with that? You like this face?" With the same music, yeah, example. and the camera going to the eye and coming back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's everything. Okay. Well, I mean, as Francis Ford Coppola once said, "If you're gonna steal, steal from the best." <laughs> I'm sure he was thinking yeah. of Star Trek Five: Final Frontier. No, I, I really, I really like this whole climax because I thought it's gonna kind of be obvious that it's gonna be a root. So even though it was really blindly obvious that it's like obviously this isn't God or he's up to something, it didn't detract from it at all. I think Kirk standing up and getting shot. It would have been time. very controversial if they were like, "Oh yeah, this is God." Yeah, yeah. and I think it's so original series to have a Marvel and you know. Um, 
the sort of deity that is like fucking with the Enterprise crew. Yeah. I mean, that is just one. That is yeah, so straight out. Yeah. yeah, and I think straight it's great they've had a chance to do that on the big screen like, yeah. uh, with this. You know, and it is. I this is another. This is another reason I love the film so much is because, from my point of view, if you look at all the Star Trek films, I personally feel that Star Trek Five is the only one where they actually explore a strange new world mm. and seek out a new civilization. And as yeah, the camera reveals on the st- on the ship's wheel, they boldly go where no man has gone. I don't know. AE San Francisco is pretty whack. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I think it's really. I thought all the religious kind of subtext of the film is really daring because at the end of the day, one of the things apparently you talked about pre-production, they were kind of like, well, it, in at this point in the future, would people even still be believing in God in the same way or anything like that? And it's, you know, I think for its time, for 1989, especially in America, which is still very much, especially at that time, kind of, you know, rather the religious right, Mm. um, you know, I think it's really brave kind of storytelling to be in this situation where they're not really going, oh, well, God definitely exists. They're kind of going, oh, well, maybe, maybe not. Like, you know, it's all kind of... And that way of thing, like, you know, Shatner deserves to be heard out. I think that's why Mm. Paramount should put the money to let him put his... It's only 15 minutes, whatever footage he's got Mm. extra... It might not be great, but at least he's got to say this is me, this is me, and I you know put it all on the line, yeah. and with some finished effects, this is what I wanted, and you know you can judge it for that. I feel like we can't quite condemn Shatner for this film because he was well, like, not. I he certainly hand, can't. One hand type yeah, and back. I think yeah. you know thinking of Shatner, that film does have some of the greatest Kirk moments. Yeah, ever agreed. You know, Kirk, bastard. Kirk questioning God. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What yeah. does God need with a starship? Yeah, and also though, <laughs> yeah, like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah right. God need with a starship? Yeah, you're you're exactly right, Kirk. Um, also when he sa- God. says about um when he he challenges him, um, you know, so I doubt any God who inflicts pain for his yeah, own that's pleasure. McCoy, that's a McCoy. Oh, it's McCoy. Yeah, well, that's that, well, that's one of my favorite McCoy. It's a great line. It's one great of my line. favorite McCoy moments. Yeah, he is my favorite character. Full stop. But one of my favorite McCoy lines is. Jim, you don't ask the Almighty for his ID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then he challenges yes, himself, yeah. like yeah, yes. which is really he stands great. Up for his mates. Because I think yeah, because McCoy is a bit old school. That line makes complete sense in yeah. his character. Saying mm. don't ask the Almighty for his ID. Let's just see how this plays out. <laughs> but then you know, well, as soon as you know Spock and Kirk are hurt, like yeah, it's a, they yeah, all like, stand by each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. though Spock won't kill Cyborg and Kirk feels betrayed by that, at the end of the day. He never really portrays him. He's always very much knows who he is. He knows himself. He's like, look, mate, I've done loads of missions with this crew. These are my mates. I've died and come back. Like, yeah, you know, I, I don't I, care about this stuff. The from bravado, we don't know this god fellow. Yeah. yeah, the bravado shows on the bridge when, when like, Cybok, and that, that, that's a turning point where you actually really like Cybok, I think. You yeah. Know, is where he says, you know, that's no, your ship. You Gives know, Kirk his command. Well, yeah. we're going to do this by the book. And, you know, uh, stand all the police. Mm. And he says, you know, it's just the way he takes over. It's very by, by the numbers for him. Coming up against a godlike figure is not is just a weekly mm. occurrence. I think, that, yeah, <laughs> I think the whole concept of like a heaven-like place having a physical existence in the universe is very Star Trek in itself. It's taking mm. this grand idea and applying science to it again and being like, yeah, if this thing we, we, we're exploring the universe, who's to say that that doesn't exist? And in this case, it's a whole ruse. But like, yeah, you and know. also like the fact that you have Paradise City in the same film, which is yeah. completely the opposite of what Paradise should be. You know, that's, yeah, um, you know, it's a complete breakdown of you know communication. It's you know all the 
you know, people who've signed up to it are not committed to it, you know, in any sense by sending like, you know. Well, you could you could, you could go on well, a whole another sort of tangent on par- the concept of Paradise City. Because they, mm-hmm. they say in the film that I think their their idea to keep peace is just ban weapons. Yeah. And it's like, was that really going to work? They just fashion And like David Warner's character says, yeah, they just. Like, yeah, can I, you actually I, achieve that utopian peace? I'm upset that David Warner didn't get a bigger part in this film. Well, I love that. Wait for the next but, film. Yeah, yeah, David Warner is, is, is fantastic. I mean, right from his first scene, for me, makes such an impact straight away. You look at him, you go, that's a complete character. But he's straight away. It. I think he just Yeah, I agree. Off. I agree yeah. completely. He does, he does get full of the, like, his, his one shining moment. It's like, prisoners? We're already prisoners on this worthless number of rocks. Yeah, he's fantastic and in that opening <laughs> scene. And he deserves more. You want to see him again. But also, at the end, why is he randomly, clearly, romantically involved with the woman yeah. at the end? It's like, well, how's this happening? The scenes also, uh, you know, um, bear out the Klingon character where he is literally a disgusting misogynist um, who, um, what like, the old Klingon, the old Klingon commander? Yeah, he sort of talk, he basically says something Klingon about like he seems want, like that kind of drunk at a party. Yeah, like, he <laughs> wants like the Romulan lady to drop her like skirt so he can see if they have something different between their legs. <laughs> oh uh, I, I just like you know, I mean, probably just as well they cut that because it's yeah, yeah, it's just so bad. Um, yeah, he's kind of um, rectified in his actions in the end, though. Well, right? no, but before there's he, a but I so, should, but that, talked yeah. about before. I really don't buy any of that shit at the end <laughs> well so you don't what, what do you mean you don't I don't buy it? that he was able to convince the guy to oh yes yeah yeah which I think is fair enough but like surely it wins it back for you with the ending of returning to the campfire and such and kind of, you know yeah. the final wrap up the campfire seems lovely I like that it's, it's yeah. really nice I really love the line just before as well in the Klingon bridge of uh, not in front of the Klingons <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. Well, I think that's what they probably back, worked back from that line I think yeah. it's like, it would be really funny yeah. if you kind of try and hug me in the front of the Klingons. Yeah. And yeah. How do we get to that situation? How do we get to that situation? It really know. feels just, uh, yeah. Well, they're so intimate with each other by this point. They're allowed to be vulnerable around each other. Yeah. Like the bit where they're, you know, he's trying to carry them up with the with the boots and he says, and they start going down. And he's and he's like, awkward, too, like, too much marshmallows. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's already kind of, again, acknowledging that it's vulnerability. And, you know, they're old, they're out of shape. And so, but, I mean, Shatner, we were talking about feeling sorry for him before. Uh, I must say, I, I, I do in the sense that this was his directual debut. And, you know... And Swan Song. It, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> he, 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 he did Well, well no, what, it was not a Swan Song. It was supposed to be. Like, uh, oh, really? What? Yeah, so, um, my understanding is, Star Trek V was supposed to be, because Next Generation was coming out, and they're, they're all looking to move on to other things, and Star Trek V was supposed to be the last film with the original series cast. And straight after Star Trek V, uh, before Undiscovered Country, they were looking at what to do next. And it's where Half Bennett was pitching um, a prequel, which J.J. Abrams has since done. Yes. Um, where it was going to actually have... Um, Forrest Kelly was going to come back as Dr. McCoy, teaching a class of right. Starfleet cadets. And something in the class was going to also remind him of when he first met Kirk and Spock. And the whole film was going to be flashbacks. And right. Like, the rumour was Gary Sinise was going to be um, Dr. McCoy, which I thought would have been amazing. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah, Ethan Hawke as Kirk, and I think John Cusack as Spock. So this is late this 80s, was, yeah. these actors. Yeah, and I think yeah. I alluded mm. to in the last episode, it's my retraction I will print now, that I recall <laughs> this actually happened a bit earlier. Uh, but no, it's around about this time. But this was supposed to, yeah, this was supposed to be after Star Trek V. Um, and, but because Star Trek V was so poorly received... 
I think I don't know whether there was some sympathy or something, but it was basically okay. Let's give the original series cast a decent send off. Yes, and that's where they decided. Mm. Okay, let's bring Nick Meyer back for Star Trek Six, and we'll, I'm sure you'll talk about that. Well, yeah, we we will indeed the undiscovered country. So yeah, not to be the far frontier. I mean, this did cause controversy at the time, didn't it? Because in fact, um, I believe even that press conference is reference of people asking oh it's called The Final Frontier is this the last film people kept asking all the time to all the cast is this the last move uh, apparently it was just The Final Frontier no apparently it's referring to the fact that they're going to The Final Frontier of you know what they're, they're searching for in terms of God Shatner poor old Shatner um, um, unfortunately after this his directing career did stumble Somewhat. Um, oh, did you not follow up? You know, he, he has done directed to other films since. I'm just going to read this small little passage from um, Captain Zog, which was released in 1989 uh, for the release of the film. So when he wrote this book. So did um, I already know it was going to be a failure? No. With Elizabeth Shatner, he, he believed this was going to be, you know, a, a success. Uh, there was um, a test screening. Uh, which didn't go down very well which he references in here but then they did some edits and they had a second test screen which, which did go down correct me if I'm wrong but didn't Star Trek 5 with the advertising didn't have a um, tagline something like this film is for reason cinema seats will need seatbelts no, like, no, no, yeah the reason why we're installing seatbelts in cinemas this summer to keep people in their seats <laughs> but in retrospect for a little sorry for Shatner considering how things turned out when he says, so, to me, Star Trek V is going to be the ultimate thrill. The moment in my career which I have been preparing all my life. I see everything I've done as a preparation for this moment. An opportunity like Star Trek V may not come again. Because Star Trek V is the epitome of my career. My experiences, my hopes... And dreams. It is the quintessential me. Aww. Yeah, so... You kind of feel sorry. That, that is very sad. But what he did return to direct was, of course, The Captains, a documentary... Yes. Not um, the actual release date. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Available on VOD. He interviews uh, the other captains of Star Trek uh, various series. I, I have not seen Chris, this. He, he interviews Chris Pine as well. Oh, does he? Yeah. So this is must be two thousand nine. Just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, just in time. Yeah. Yeah. Like he has a arm. Did he have an arm wrestle with him? If you yeah, the arm wrestles Chris Pine. Yeah. If you you've seen it, I've seen bits of it. Does he okay. lose? I don't know the result. Of it's on Netflix. Wrestling. I got to check. Maybe it he forces yeah. Pine to oh, lose. Or he just re-edits it. So he wins. He's also done. <laughs> there's another documentary called uh, Chaos on the Bridge. Right. Which he did, which is about the creation of Next Generation. Mm. Another. Oh. Check it out because. Um, I didn't realise this until I saw that documentary, but that was actually quite a heated, um, controversial film creating the next generation. Oh, um, right, okay. And, but and also just released uh, in uh, in search of Spock or in the name of Spock. It's come out. Oh, for the love of Spock. For the love of Spock. Which is yeah, um, which Adam Nimoy's. Um, so that was a documentary yeah, which Adam and... Nimoy was working on right. with Adam before his death, and Adam Nimoy had the successful Kickstarter campaign, and he's. Uh, 
and it's now it's a Netflix thing, yeah. Yeah, so. it's it's been on there as of like the other week. It's really new. I got to check right. It out. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely would like to check out the captains um, because I'm sure there's some comedy gold to be had. Because uh, it's mainly concerning Avery Brooks the comedy gold. Oh, okay. Avery, which Avery, one's Avery uh, Brooks? It's Captain Cisco. Uh, yes. So we've um, heard. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, for some reason, he insisted on doing his entire interview with a piano in front of him. <laughs> Say no more. Round the arm, Just to play another bit. Um, yeah, I can imagine that being highly amusing. So perhaps to check out at a later date. Unfortunately, he did not have the continued directorial success of Leonard Nimoy with Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mentioned every I'd like to move on now to a lock section. Well, I've been watching Sonic 5 over the years, and I think I've picked up a few things from Cyborg. Oh, really? Yes, I believe his technique for bringing closure to a lot of people runs quite deep. And I feel like there's something in that. I've been practicing, and I practiced on you beforehand, Liam, and I know I've used yes. you of your pain. You, you did, yes. So, Matt, yes. Like, I, I'm now ready for the final frontier. Okay. I, I couldn't help but notice your pain. <laughs> it's etched on my face. Yeah, I, I couldn't help you release this pain. We could confront together. Okay. Together, Matt. <laughs> okay. Your pain runs deep. Each man hides a secret pain. What can I see? I can hear a heartbeat. Can you see what's happening? I see it. Liam, you can see it. I, I see. I see an ape. But what do you see, Liam? Uh, I can. I, I can see uh, an ape. He looks almost made of what I would call computer pixels. Yeah. Who's that with him? It's a little guy. It's a little ape with a red hat. <laughs> it's a little. Yeah, a little guy with a red hat. A little ape. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see some some. Getting erased. What? what? <laughs> Map. I think we're close to it. What this is? Share your pain. Share your pain with me. I think what Paul's trying to say is he's trying to atone for erasing my Donkey Kong Country file on my Sez game about 15 years ago. From or did I do it to you? I can't remember. No, I did. If I recall, it's because you tried to input the extra lives code by spelling out barrel, but when you press the last button, it just <laughs> deleted the game instead. If I recall, this, you've been thinking yes. about this every night this for the last 20 years. poisoned your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for 15 years, you've held this inside you. Let's not, let's not point fingers, by the way. Well, like, who was to blame? Yours definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see. How do you feel now? Okay, well, I, I've always felt a little better because around the same time, so this would have been when I was around 11 or 12, when I first kind of knew this is your first strike, but around, around the same time, I borrowed Super Mario All Stars off of a neighbour and I accidentally tripped over the cable and erased all his games, which had up to Worlds 8 on all the Mario games. So I did it to someone, you did it to me. At the time, it was by <laughs> Well, I, I just think it, we, we've been racking our brains for something to, uh, you know, to uncover about you. To do this I hope, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we've managed to free you of this pain. Yeah. <laughs> you look ten years younger. It's never left. <laughs> <laughs> On that successful note of spiritual of, healing, of exorcism, <laughs> um, I think we should perhaps move on to wrap up or begin to wrap up. With perhaps our scores, Some scores on the doors. Start with a guess. Yeah. So, uh, well, Greg, what, 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 what would your official score out of ten? You can use decimal points uh, if you so wish to narrow it down. What What would you give Final Frontier? So am I putting this up against every other Star Trek film? Yeah, you certainly. Are. Well, in every other Fair film ever made. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not exactly the Great Escape. <laughs> Eight point five. Eight. Oh, no, no, nine. Oh. I'm going to be... Oh, yeah, nine? Right, okay, oh, okay. I'm feeling... I've got empathy for Shatner. 
Yeah, well, after, so, how could you after, not after, after that? After that captain's yeah, log. Exactly. It's a nine for me. Did, did it go up during the recording of this podcast? Your love for it increased. Uh, yeah, I think, well, it's a film where, I'd say it's my favourite, it has sentimental reasons, it's about the trio, but I accept the fact that there are some really shit moments in it, which I pretend never happened. I go out and make a cup of coffee and <laughs> those bits come on. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I've now... It hasn't gone down. It hasn't gone down. No, it hasn't gone no. down. It would never have gone down. Um, I was worried when Paul we just couldn't when we were focusing down. on the uh, the not so good aspect. I was worried it was going to go down, but I think Shatner's eulogy on them. That was a lovely, lovely uh, thing he said at the end. Yeah, there. yeah. and how he's considered is it, uh, how he said that his entire career was building up to that. Like we can't just write it off. It's, oh, yeah. I, I agree. So it's a nine. Unfairly maligned. In, okay. I, indeed. Um, so for me. It is an 8 out of 10. Um, so, so far, uh, from our kind of, you know, views we've had, it would be my third favourite so far, just behind Voyage Home. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. It went up massively in my estimations. Uh, I think it's really funny. Great character work. Intriguing, daring storytelling. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. Matt? Yeah, no, I, re- I really liked it. Um, I really love how... Because I've been pointing out what I've been noticing about Star Trek as I go along, back in the motion picture, how, how funny it was to see um, adversaries and circumstances resolved through thinking and deciding to, you know, not just attack and fire everything all at once. And that kind of continues here. I love how, like, respect for everyone is quite a big theme. So the captive Klingon guy is like an ad- admired uh, commander or general who they study in class and the pursuing Klingons who are kind of I guess the fringe villains even they're trying to do what they're doing for, for you know for honour it's nothing nothing too personal and uh, and Cybok as well being kind of very very layered and having worthy ambitions into what he's trying to do uh, and then the whole theme of family as well I love how it keeps coming back to the main trio of uh, Kirk, Spock and Bones and how his kind of journey through this film is realising that they do have a family out in space I love it and the kind of fractured um, plotting as well how it goes from a kind of hostage rescue scenario to uh, to fighting for control of the ship and then after this other entity um, really interesting stuff and I give it uh, 7.4 which funny enough is lower than Liam but slightly above my Voyage Home ranking mm. ever so slightly mm. yeah. okay Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm probably the, le- the least about it. I like. I, I really enjoy watching it again. I enjoy the characters so much. I really love the score for this film, and you know, with those things, and you know, and I've really taken into account that there is there's problems with the production, and you know, it's not the people, the you know, the artists thought that it turned out the way it did. Um, you know, it could have been a little better, but I don't think it'd been that much better. I don't think there's. I don't think it's the magnificent Ambersons waiting for like you know the extra twelve minutes that are going to make it Citizen Kane. It's not that. So I'm I'm going to say four point eight. Four point eight. Wow. What, I, what, what was your search for Spock score, uh, Matt? My Spock score was four point four. Oh, okay. So you're you're still the lowest score uh, on a film. Okay. All right. And are you, I just like I'm giving that score because I like I even like this film. But I just really feel it falls flat. It's okay. So many what did you give Spock? Do you remember? No. Oh, you gave you, no. You gave it a lot more than that because me and you, I think, were quite uh, kind on old, old Spocky. Um, 
but uh, yes, that brings to a close um, our little review of Final Frontier. Uh, next month, we'll be reviewing the Undiscovered Country, uh, the true final frontier of the original crew. Um, I expect we'll be joined potentially by another guest star. You never know who might pop up uh, for that episode, but it's been a pleasure to have you, uh, been, Yeah, Greg. it's been a pleasure to be here. And, um, some more Trek knowledge like no one can. We're yeah. very much looking forward to uh, Ambush uh, being released, especially myself, as I'm actually in it. Uh, so, you know, can't wait to see that be Not one of those actors who doesn't like watching themselves. Like. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, yeah, I, I come from the Shatner school. Uh, yeah, so I'll be expecting to direct the next chapter. Yeah. Yeah, but, get, um, get pay rise. Well, I, I guess I should promote my uh, my fan production. You should. But honestly, I was just happy to be here to defend my, uh, yeah. my favourite. Give us, give, us the, uh, give us the other bit. Yeah. So Ambush, for those who don't know, is a uh, fan production that um, has been. We've been making it for about coming up to three years. It's taken a bit longer than I anticipated, but then in that time I have um, bought a house and got married, so I have had other things going on. And um, fine wine needs time to mature. Exactly. Doesn't it, we had a, success, a successful Kickstarter run. We raised uh, four and a half thousand pounds sterling. So more than the final frontier. More than the final frontier. <laughs> it focuses on a um, a new crew that um, are in the ship called the USS Ambush, and it's um, a continuation of the original series episode Balance of Terror, um, where we find out what happened with the uh, Romulans afterwards, and what the Federation's response was to a, a blatant breach of the um, treaty that was um, signed after the Romulan War. As you'll see in the film, it's an interesting crew, because... Um, they're basically um, a side of Starfleet we have never seen before. So uh, do check us out. You can find us on Facebook at just Ambush. And yeah, there's a trailer out there, isn't there? Is, there is. If, the if you go to the Facebook page, yes, there is a trailer where you can see the, uh, the type of quality that we are. Yeah, we're, we're quite proud of. It looks really uh, impressive, man. Like, uh, I, even I if I wasn't involved, I'd be looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, as usual, you can find us on Twitter at uh, at Spotlight Pod. Uh, you can also search for us on Facebook. Uh, we're on there. We've got a fan page on there as well, yeah. which if you could like, that'd be great. If you could follow us on yeah. Twitter. Um, search for us on iTunes. You can rate, review and subscribe it really helps um, if you do that uh, you know please rate us mm-hmm. five stars but you know if you don't want to rate us five stars rate us four rate us four we'll take that and you know give a review listing your reasons why you wouldn't give us five stars we're also available on Podbean you can get us there as well yeah. uh, um, you can email us directly at uh, spotlightpod at gmail.com yeah please send, send me uh, feedback any inquiries any feedback if you disagree with us about our review of this film um, yeah. you know or you want to chastise Paul uh, for you know giving such uh, you know horrible flag game to William yeah. Shatner's masterpiece uh, The Final <laughs> Frontier feel absolutely free if um, anybody out there has a friend like Paul who erases your old uh, video game files uh, let us know yeah please get the pain the yeah please pain. yeah if you if you have any secret pain <laughs> listeners yeah just please write in um, you know we we can help you 
free you of that. But the cyborg method is proven. We just heard it. Exactly. Oh, you know, I think that could be another kind of you know job for us uh, to do from going from here. We yeah. could become prophets uh, like cyborg. <laughs> the school of leads you to the promised land of a malevolent alien who tries to kill you with high <laughs> beams. Um, just to backtrack, I'd just like to uh, congratulate Paul on McCoy's beams because they were. Oh, oh yeah, they were brilliant. They were very good. They they were really they were very good. Really, I really was felt not. Like... I was not hopeful. In fact, I've no. been slow cooker since this morning, and I was. They're really they good. Turned out pretty I good. am going to. I need that recipe. I'm going to watch Star Trek Five yeah. again with those beams. Actually, I might even set up for TV in my back garden so I can have a campfire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, it. What well, is available in the official Star Trek cookbook, I believe, uh, which it's got a character from who's the character on Neelix. the front row? Neelix Cook. Voyager. Right. Um, so we will post a link to the to the recipe on the yes. page and on Facebook. Um, Until this time, what I would like is. For all of the spotlight crew and uh, our guests, Greg, to join me in a drink of Maker's Mark and perhaps a sing along around the campfire. Um, you know, so perhaps if I. Moon or Rigel 7, I really want to know the words to that. So perhaps if I launch. Are we going it, to do it in a round? If I. Uh, look, well, if I launch us off and then perhaps you all join in. <laughs> row, row, row your boat gently oh, bro, down the stream. Merrily, merrily.